so much uh, to the praise team there. They did a great job, didn't they? Yeah, thank you. It's good to see everyone out today. Y'all look so pretty, most of you. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy Easter. You know, today we celebrate an empty grave. Um, our Lord and Savior has risen. And so, man, it's just so good to uh, think of that and celebrate that this morning. A man and his, his wife uh, went to the Holy Land, went to Jerusalem. His wife always wanted to go there, and uh, so did um, her mother. So they took the mother-in-law with, with them, right? So they had a great experience, a great trip, enjoyed seeing all these you know, places mentioned in the Bible and things like that. Um, but the mother-in-law passed away while on this trip, very, very tragic, I know. And uh, so the, the family was faced with the decision to make. Um, you know, the, the undertaker there said, you know, it'll cost $5,000 to, you know, we, we can ship, you know, the mother-in-law back and, and you can pay $5,000 for that. Or for 150 bucks, you can bury her right here. In the Holy Land, right? Sound sounded kind of appealing, amazing. I mean, the mother-in-law loved loved that place anyway. Sounded like a good good thing to do. And um, the husband said, "No, I'm going to pay five thousand dollars just to have her shipped back to the states." And the undertaker was confused and said, "Why?" You know. And the guy said, "Well, you know, two thousand years ago, a guy was buried and come back to life. I ain't taking no chances." Sorry about that. We love all moms. So, um, if you were here last week, this today is the second part of a two-part series called Cancel Culture. And in this, you know, cancel culture is familiar to most of us now. We've seen it on the headlines and in the news and stuff like that. If, if you say something or do something that offends somebody, guess what? There's no talking about it. There's no trying to understand it. Right? There's no trying to see the see the things the way you see them. It's you're canceled, right? Or like Trump said, you're fired. Um, canceled, cancel culture. And last week we talked about how for his whole life um, they tried to cancel Jesus. Tried to cancel. He he said things that offended people. He he did things that were different. Um, he was not the norm, right? He 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 was not the mold. He broke it. Um, and people wanted to cancel him. And so what we talked about last week was very interesting. That instead of, of him being canceled, Jesus was the one doing the canceling. And on the cross, he canceled the sin for the world. Canceled sin for you, for me, for all of the world, forever and forever. It's what he did on the cross. Um, today, though, today we're going to talk about canceling the story of Jesus. The story of the resurrection, you see. Even though um, Jesus rose from the dead, <clears throat> his story, his legacy faced resistance. It faced cancellation. And uh, I don't know if you, how much you've thought about that. But to me, to me, it's really amazing of how much the gospel, the good news, the story of Easter, how much difficulty it faced and still faces today. And I'm going to walk us through this account very quickly because I want you to see it. And then before we leave today, 
we'll talk about some couple of very important things. So the first thing that this resurrection story, the story of Easter faced, was doubt and disbelief. From the very beginning, from that Easter morning, that Sunday morning, very early, doubt was present. So we know we're familiar with this part of the story. After the crucifixion, some women went to where Jesus was buried. They they knew where he was buried. They watched and placed his body in the tomb. And because they could not do any work on the Sabbath, right, on Saturday, they had to wait till Sunday morning to go and anoint the body of Jesus for burial, which was their custom. Well, when they got there, stone was rolled away, right? Nobody was there, like nobody, and, and except for an angel. An angel was there, and, and the angel said, look, I know you're looking for, for Jesus. He's not here. He is, he's risen like, like he said. And then the angel told the women to go and, and to tell his disciples what had happened and, and to tell them that they would see Jesus very, very, very soon. And so Luke 24.10 says this, Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. Notice this. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe him. All right? So these these were not strangers, okay? These were really, really good friends, possibly distant relatives, okay, of each other. They, they, they knew each other. They, they grew up and lived in the same community. They had talked to Jesus and followed Jesus together for a while, and... Um, when the women came back with the great news that there's an empty tomb, that they saw an angel, hey, it's it's April Fool's Day, right? Don't we don't believe? As a matter of fact, these guys probably thought the women had lost it. They're so emotional right now, and they're not they're not thinking clearly. Um, they, they lost they lost their minds, and so you know, doubt doubt came into play very early on. And and what did Peter do? Peter doubted. And he, he ran. He ran to the day. He just, he didn't believe him. He had to see for himself. And Thomas was the same way, right? And it, it wasn't good enough for Jesus to even appear to Thomas. He had to touch him before he believed. So, so doubt and disbelief were some major hurdles there at the beginning. It was a threat to the resurrection story. And look, it wasn't just unintentional doubt that was a threat to the resurrection story, but it was also intentional doubt. You see, also in the beginning, there was a fake story that was created. There was a false rumor. When the angel came to the tomb and when he rolled the stone away, there was also a Roman guard there that had been placed there on purpose to protect it, to keep anybody from coming in and stealing the body of Jesus. Lots of soldiers were there. An angel came, rolled the stone away, and knocked the soldiers out. Right? They were knocked out completely. And when they woke up, guess what? Empty grave. Stone rolled away. And they're thinking, whoa, we're in trouble. What do we do now? Well, rather than go to, to Pilate, right, rather than go back to their boss, they decided to go talk to the religious leaders, the, the leadership of, of Judaism, and, uh, you know, they, they wanted to know where the body of, of Jesus was, and, 
you know, it could have been because they were afraid to go to Pilate, maybe. I think it's more like, hey, if, if anybody knows where the body is, these, these guys probably know where the body is. And so they went and they, they asked them first. And <laughs> I got to tell you, these guys were just as shocked as the soldiers were. They're like, wait, the body's gone? Just two days earlier, right? These were the guys at the foot of the cross celebrating the fact that Jesus had been canceled. And now the grave is empty. And they're, they're thinking, oh, no, th- this is terrible. Like, this is the worst thing that could happen right now is that his body be, his body be missing. we got to do something about this. And they did. Matthew 28, verse 12. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. <laughs> the, this is the, these are the religious leaders, the leaders of the faith, telling people to lie and pay, giving them money to lie. Man, this is crazy. It's crazy. They, they said, we'll, we'll blame it on the disciples of Jesus, right? Jesus is... Somebody took him. We'll, we'll definitely blame it on the disciples. We'll we'll get them in trouble. We'll make them look bad. Here's you some money, just like we gave it to Judas. Here's you some money. You tell this story, Matthew twenty eight fifteen. So the soldiers took the money, and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but there are a lot of popular theories about what happened to the body of Jesus. Because guess what? There's no body. There, <clears throat> Historically, there was a Jesus. Historically, there was a crucifixion. But you know what? Historically, there's no proof of a body. There's, there's several theories, but you know what the most popular theory is? This one right here. And, and, and as this was written a long time ago, it says this story has widely been circulated among the Jews. Guess what? Today in Judaism, this is the prominent belief in what happened to Jesus' body. Somebody took him. Somebody took the body. Wow. Doubt. Disbelief. One was a true story that wasn't believed. One was a fake story that was widely circulated and believed by many. Man, the gospel, the good news of the resurrection of Jesus, faced that in the very beginning. And it wasn't just that. It gets worse. There was also fierce, fierce resistance to the message. There was punishment to those who spread the gospel. You see, when when the truth began to be spread faster than the lie, those that wanted it squashed and eliminated knew they needed to step up their game. Okay? So there was threats, there was violence, there was persecution, and we first see this in the lives of Peter and John. Remember Peter? Remember that guy who, when Jesus was arrested, the guy who cowered? Remember that guy who denied Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times? Remember that guy? Well, remember he had encountered the empty tomb. He had saw, he had saw Jesus risen, and now he's completely changed, and he, man, He's not a coward anymore. He's not afraid anymore. 
he is boldly proclaiming Jesus. He is boldly talking about Jesus and the resurrection. And he is out preaching in the streets of Jerusalem with no fear. No fear. And so on one of these days, he is on his way to pray, and he encounters a man who, is, who had been born lame. He, he couldn't walk, and he couldn't, couldn't walk from birth. And this man was older now, and so everybody knew his story. Everybody knew that he had been born lame, and when he encountered Peter, Peter healed him. And he, he, all this crowd gathered around him there. They were like, whoa, this is amazing. You know, we know that guy, right? He's been this way his whole life, and he's healed now. And Peter looked at him and said, look, don't look at me. This is because of Jesus that this man is healed. He was quick to give credit to Jesus. And then, man, he preached and he preached and he preached. And, and pretty soon, those same religious leaders got wind, got word of what was happening. And they thought, we got to do something about this. Matthew 28, 12. Um, oh, sorry, excuse me. Acts 4, verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. This is how fast this happened, folks. They were, they were sitting there speaking to the people, explaining what, what had happened and that this was in the name and by the power of Jesus. And while that was happening, the Sadducees came up to Peter and John. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, notice this, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. <laughs> you see, um, the Sadducees there, they, they were a group of the religious council that did not believe in a resurrection, period. Okay, There were Pharisees and, and Sadducees, and this, this group, all along, they were like, hey, there's no resurrection, period. So they were really mad, but all of them, all of them were disturbed greatly by this because they were talking about Jesus and the resurrection. So they, they arrested them, Peter and John. They brought them in. They, they questioned them on what they were doing. And then they sort of met. They sort of called a huddle to try to figure out what to do. In Acts 4.18, this is, this is what they decided to do here. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Right? Not, you know, they didn't call them in and say, hey, you know, Cut it out. Hey, uh, you're hurting my feelings. Hey, tr try not, try your best not to use this name. Hey, I look, look. This this name offends me a little. It rubs me the wrong way. I just wanted you to know how I felt, so maybe you would. No, they commanded, commanded them not to use or teach the name of Jesus. And Peter was like, "Sorry, but no, right." He, he said, I, I've got to obey God over man. I've got to listen to God and, and not you. As, and by the way, I just can't help but not speak of the things that I've seen and heard. Peter said he couldn't help it. And so they refused to obey this command to not speak in the name of Jesus. And you know what? This was the first time that Peter and John was arrested. were arrested. They were arrested several more times. They were beaten. Several times. Each time they were told to stop it. Each time the violence got harder and harder. And each time they got bolder and bolder and bolder. And, and so what ended up happening was on, on the religious leader's side, frustration began to grow. 
violence was stepped up. And eventually a young man named Stephen was stoned. Okay, he, Stephen, as a matter of fact, was preaching about Jesus. And they got so mad at him, they got furious that, hey, we're not even going to question this guy anymore. We're not going to arrest him. We're just going to take him outside of the city, and we're going to stone him. And that's what they did. And, and that happened in Jerusalem, okay? And so after that is when the persecution and the resistance to the gospel message got more widespread. It spread out from Jerusalem. And we get it to a very important point in this story. We come across a guy named Saul. A guy named Saul. And, and, and to the religious leaders, Saul was their secret weapon. Saul was was the person that would end this once and for all. You see, Saul was was also a religious leader. He was a Pharisee, but he was also a zealot. He was very, very well-educated, very smart, very strong, but he was also very bold, okay? And that's what these guys did not have. They did not have that, that boldness that, that Saul had. And so in him, they saw the answer to all their problems. And so... They gave Saul lots of power, lots of authority, and this is what uh, Saul says here in Acts 20, 26, verse 9. This is his own words. I, too, was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Listen, this guy had one mission and one mission only. And that was to stop the spread of the gospel, to stop the name of Jesus being used, to stop people from talking about Jesus and the resurrection. That was his mission. That was his goal. And he, he was passionate about it. Notice verse 11. This is him still speaking. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. I tried to force them to blaspheme. And if you uh, know anything about Old Testament and, and blaspheme and, and what that involved, look, if you did that, there was a death sentence involved. Okay? So so Saul was trying to trying to do this to them to get them to do that so that they could be guilty, so that they could be killed. And notice it says, I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Imagine being under that. Imagine facing that and knowing that this guy's coming, right? This guy terrorized Christians in each and every town. Terrorized people. He was obsessed with it. He went from one place to the next, church to church, coming in and terrorizing people, arresting them, punishing them, and even in his own words, it says that he approved of their executions. He did that. Then something amazing happened. While Saul was on his way, carrying out his mission, the Lord met him, okay, and stopped him in his tracks, knocked him off of his horse, and changed his life forever. Did that to Saul. And when I say changed, I, I mean changed. But not really. Let me explain what I mean. 
the same guy that was passionate and zealous and and obsessed with squashing the name of Jesus was passionate, obsessed, and zealous with preaching the name of Jesus, you see. He, his, he was the same, but his heart and his mission completely changed. Instead of going from synagogue to synagogue, town to town, squashing out the name of Jesus, guess what he did? He went from synagogue to synagogue to town to town, proclaiming the name of Jesus just as boldly. Man, this guy completely changed. Here's the thing. Even him, even Paul, would face similar difficulties. Instead of hunting Christians down, guess what? He would be the one hunted. Instead of expelling Christians from cities, he would be thrown out of cities. Instead of putting Christians in prison, he would be put in prison. For he would go on to write the majority of the New Testament that we have, that you and I have. You, you read through some of those, those letters. Paul wrote them from prison. He faced a lot, a lot of things simply because he carried the gospel of Jesus. But you know what? He didn't let any of that stop him. None of that. 2 Timothy 2. This is Paul's last letter. This is one of his last writings. Okay, And I love Paul's writings. Some, some beautiful things that he wrote. Um, said a lot of important, amazing things. And if you're writing something, if you know you're near the end of your life, you'd want to write probably the most important thing, right? Notice what he says here. Always remember, always remember that Jesus Christ, a descendant of King David, was raised from the dead. This is the good news I preach. And because I preach this good news, I'm suffering. And I have been chained like a criminal. But the word of God cannot be chained. Wow. We see here that this persecution, it just started with kind of a story not being believed. And then, you know, a little more intentional lie was thrown in there. And then, you know, hey, don't, don't use the name of Jesus, right? And then stones started being thrown. And then... It just, it just got worse and worse, and it, it grew outside of Jerusalem. It spread all over the world, and look, today, today, there is widespread persecution for those that believe in Jesus and use the name of Jesus. And here in America, look, um, America is opposed to the name of Jesus. They just look out at it, and there is, there is resistance to speaking the name of Jesus. Why? Because you're offended. There's resistance to it. But you know, Paul was onto a truth that I want us to know today. And at the end of this here, he says something amazing. He says, even though I'm chained, God's word is not. God's word is not. So I want you to, to notice this truth today. The gospel of Jesus Christ cannot be canceled. It can't. The gospel of Jesus Christ can never and will never be canceled. It doesn't matter what country tries to stop it. 
It doesn't matter what organization tries to stop it. It doesn't matter if the world's wealthiest, most powerful person in the world uses all their resources